All right. Hey, pull out your bullets and inserts. There's a few announcements I want to draw your attention to. First, today following worship, we'll be bagpacking at ECS. So if you've ever joined us with that, come on out and help us again today. If you've never joined us with that, it's a lot of fun. If you have any questions, see Nancy after worship and she will, she will help you. She's coming forward to take questions now. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> ECS is a lot of fun. There's a little bit of competition, some bagpacking. It's got everything you would want for in an experience. Uh, today is a newsletter bullet, the newsletter deadline. If you have an article or if you want to communicate anything through the newsletter, make sure you see Nancy by the end of worship. And then this coming Saturday will be the wreath-making class. Tom, you want to talk about that? Yeah, oh, that's December. Yeah. Not November. Not November. Oh, then sit down. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it, though. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about it. Okay. Uh, he confuses me sometimes. <laughs> This is December 7th, and um, it's a wreath-making class. Uh, we're going to uh, take real live wreaths out of balsam fir, Fraser fir. We're going to either put them on easels for cemetery use, or you can decorate one for your door. Um, if you don't have the strength to twist wires and all that, we're going to have people there to help you, and you can pick out the decorations that you want and so forth. So the... Uh, this is an all-church thing, not just a joy thing. This is for everybody in the church that feel, if, they, if you feel like making a wreath. And the cost is $25 for one without a stand, $30 for one with a stand. So December 7th, 10 o'clock in the morning. Not next Saturday. Not next Saturday. <laughs> uh, okay, this is going to be a long morning. Um, there's a whole bunch of announcements. It might be safer if you guys read these on your own without me. Oh, okay, and there's a sign-up sheet for the rethink, too. So sign up for that. Okay, so Thursday was Halloween. We have some pictures from our Trunk or Treat event. Oh, uh, who has ever seen an Army guy without a bazooka? Like, I yelled at his poor mom about not having a bazooka on Thursday night. Keep going, Rye. What else we got? Oh, uh, box... Okay. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. Scroll through. Oh. <laughs> he was trying to sell me insurance for the farm. I wasn't okay with it. This is our kitchen help. Kathy and Pam were handing out hot dogs. Carl was cooking them. Jeannie was putting them in buns. Oh. <laughs> She's got her tongue sticking out, doesn't she? Oh. These were everybody was handing out candy. Yeah. So this year, instead of putting candy in uh, spaghetti, they put it in dog food and had kids shovel it out. There were a couple kids I saw walking around with handfuls of dog food, too. Go ahead, Brian. Oh. Oh. 
Okay, so leave it right there for a second. So, you know, I'm starting to feel like this whole competition thing is unfair because there are certain people in this church that put way too much energy into trunk or treat and into their costumes. Um, which brings us around to the award for the best dressed for trunk or treat. I mean, I really have to give it to Charlie and Faye for Hocus Pocus this year. I mean, Faye was, yeah, just spectacular. I know you do. And Charlie, if you can't tell, shaved his mustache for that costume. It's why he's not here today. He was so embarrassed he didn't want to show back up in public. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Rad, kick us back to the welcome. So we gave out probably roughly 350 hot dogs for as bad as the weather was Thursday night. We had a huge mob of people came through. We gave away probably 350 hot dogs. We did a bunch of cider. <laughs> Daryl, how much candy was there? There was like 3,000 pieces of candy. <laughs> Daryl was counting every single piece of candy we gave out that night. Um, it really was, it was a lot of fun. And there, the best part of the evening was there was this little guy dressed up like Dracula. He had blood around his mouth. He had a short crew cut. And he must have only been three, I think. Little tiny kid. So I'm standing outside at the top of the ramp and has him and his family come up alongside the building and they get to the edge where the, the ramp starts. He just freezes and starts shaking. And he screams, I remember this place. It is so cool here. And like he was over the top with just, I thought he was going to just pop right there in the parking lot. So he comes downstairs. He walks down. He was so excited to get here and get a hot dog and candy and all that stuff. I come down later at the end of the night, and Tessa's sitting down there. I'm like, Tessie, did you see this little, she's like this little kid with a buzz cut, Dracula? And I said, yeah. She's like, he was the funniest. Like, he was walking around being like, you're so cool, and that's so exciting. And I mean, honestly, I wish I had had video of him. He was adorable. But it, it really has become something that the community it comes to expect now, and they recognize that we're here for it. And it's just a service opportunity. It's just an opportunity to reach out and to let people know that we're here so that when they get to a place of need, then they will come back and they will seek us out. When we were in Pittsburgh and doing ministry with college students, we had... Um, at, when students moved in the day of move-in in August, it's so hot, especially in the city, and there's so many people. So we would give away thousands and thousands of ice-cold water bottles, and we'd just out, hand out cards for our ministry when we would do this. We had our leadership team, about 30 students out on campus handing out water. In the one year, uh, I had a kid come through the, my office about midway through the year, and he said, hey... He said, can I come hang out with you guys? And I said, sure, like we don't have any requirements. He said, you know, back at the beginning of the school year, he was a senior, he said, "My, um, I was walking across campus, this little girl handed me a bottle of water and it had your guy's card on it. And he said, uh, I, I just couldn't come to throw it away, so I left it on my desk. And I don't know, I'm feeling like life right now is a little tricky. Do you mind if I come just sit? So I said, sure. Come and sit with us. So he spent the rest of the school year hanging out with our ministry. And then at the end of the year, we did a graduation party for breakfast for parents and family members who came into Pittsburgh to see their 
their kids graduate, and his dad, they stick around for the service often, and his dad comes up to me at the end of service in tears, just utterly crying, and just saying, thank you for being available to care for my son this year. He had a really, really difficult year, and it was your guys' ministry that got him through this, and I can't give you enough thanks for what you're doing. We never know what act of kindness will actually draw somebody who is suffering and in need into God's presence. So things like this are just those opportunities to just have fun. So it was a great evening. Thank you to everyone who we had a bunch of people helping out in the kitchen. Daryl showed up as Daryl. He didn't really have a costume. But he still helped us out, and we had, we had a lot of fun with the night. So. so we look forward to it again next year. Are there any announcements that are not in the bulletin insert that we need to note before we turn to God in worship? Go ahead, Karen. So November 24th is when we're doing the decorating of the church, not December, November 24th. Um, And so what Karen is asking for is a little bit of help. We have a ton. She has put a lot of energy into getting decorations for the church. So if you are at all interested in helping move decorations, help fluffing them up, whatever that means. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure that you see Sharon about that if you're interested in that and you guys can coordinate a time. Karen, not Sharon. I said Sharon. This is going to be a bad morning. Great. Thanks, Sharon. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to sit down. Tom, it's all yours. Good morning, everyone. Please stand and join me in our call to worship which comes from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come before him with thanksgiving and praise him with music and song.
You may be seated. All right, let's have the kids come forward. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. You guys ready? So actually, I'm not going to have you guys seat. I'm going to have you guys stand. So come on up here and stand. Okay, so we're going to talk about animals this morning, okay? And how we move animals. Because if you have animals, you typically have to move them. Now, here's the funny thing. Do you think all animals move the same? Do you think you move all animals with the same technique? Okay. All right, so let's pretend we're a herd of cow. Move. Good, good. This is great. You guys are doing a great job. Okay, okay. Okay, move. Okay, how do you think you lead cows? How do you move them? So for cows, you actually follow behind and you push. It's called pushing cows, okay? So if you want cows to go someplace, you just push them where you want to go. And the people who are hurting them stand behind. Okay, okay, reset. All back here. All right. Okay. Okay, let's, let's try a new animal. Sheep. This, this is the best part. Okay, okay, sheep. How do you think we get sheep to move from one area to another? Pick them up. You can, but not if you're moving all of them. You know what you do with sheep? You actually lead them. Sheep are supposed to follow the shepherd. Okay, this is not. Okay, okay, turn around. Go back. This is, this is getting out of control. Okay, pigs. Nice. Okay, how do you think you move pigs? Pigs you actually have to kind of pick up to move. Pigs don't go anywhere you want them to. Pigs are the worst animal in the world. Don't ever get an animal. Don't ever get pigs. Pigs are something, you know what you actually do with pigs? Yeah, you do eat them. <laughs> okay, you volunteering for this? Do you know how to do the wheelbarrow? Oh, okay, if you give me a foot, okay, so, so bend over, put your hands on the floor, and give me a foot. Okay, so this is how you move pigs, and they actually walk ahead of you. Ha. Oh. <laughs> if it's a small enough pig, okay, with skirts, we're not doing that. But that's how you move pigs. Miss Nicole tried to move a pig this past week, and it didn't go so well. She had to drag, and he was not a happy pig. But we'll talk about that another time. So how you move animals actually really depends on the animal itself. David wrote Psalm 23. You guys can grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. David wrote, no, over here, Mags. <laughs> King David wrote Psalm 23, and he wrote it from the perspective of a shepherd caring for sheep. And so basically, this is how this works. The shepherd leads the sheep. Who's the shepherd in Psalm 23? Do we know? God. Who are the sheep? Us. We're the sheep. Okay. No, that was coming. Honestly. <laughs> so it's David chose sheep because he was a shepherd and he understood this. So there's a metaphor here that we're going to continue to unpack this week. All right. So the last question I have for you. We have horses. Okay, what do horses say? Nay. Nay. So you know how you get horses to move? 
I mean, you can lead them, you can grab them and actually move them. But our horses, if you have a treat and call their name, they just come to you. It's amazing. Sugar cubes, apples, all kinds of treats drag our horses. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to pretend we're horses. And I'll call you guys, and you guys can come grab a treat. Okay, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you alone are both our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, guys, come grab a treat. All right. Animals. I didn't picture the whole sound thing. I didn't see that one coming. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are looking at Psalm 23 both on Tuesday evenings as well as Sunday mornings. On Tuesday evenings, we were breaking up into two groups, a group of men and a group of women, which for the first week was actually kind of interesting in my opinion. So both Nick and I asked each of the groups to unpack the idea of God as shepherd. Because shepherding isn't really, <coughs> excuse me, a very common profession today. And we wanted to get people thinking about what might be a modern equivalent to a shepherd. And what actually happened really kind of surprised me. A shepherd is someone who cares for sheep, someone who pro provides for them, who protects them, right? So as we thought about it, and we asked the question, who might take on that role in our modern culture? Men turned to their fathers. Men said, our fathers care for and provide for and protect us. The women, who, who did the women turn to? Their mothers, who also care for and provide and protect us. Very different responses because of the different communities we have. The beauty of Tuesday evening and what I love about Bible study is that it permits us to hear from one another. It is important for us all to remember that whether we have gone to seminary or not, the same Spirit of God resides within each of us. And it is through our life experiences that God's Spirit will lead us, all of us, into understanding his word. Together as a community, we have this awesome ability to unpack and wrestle with God's word and to learn from one another, not just from me or from Nick or Jeremy or whoever might be standing up. So I, I can't emphasize this enough and I can't encourage you enough. Everyone has something to offer at Bible study. You may have never opened up a Bible in the past, but really, God speaks through the community. We are told where two or more are gathered, I will be there. It, it is really important to not be afraid of that. Now, I'm reading a book alongside of our study on Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. Jackie actually gave it to me. Keller grew up as a shepherd 
And therefore, he has insights into Psalm 23 that, to be honest, most academics and scholars don't have because they've never spent time with sheep. And so I'm going to be using Keller's insights as a foundation for our Sunday morning teachings. And we're using Matt Chandler's insights for our Tuesday evening teaching. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Matt makes the point that when we think of green pastures as we begin to unpack this, in the West, what we think of are lush fields, right? Our pasture, for example, out at our house remains green almost year round. And much like your yard, it needs cut on a regular basis. Last summer, I think we cut it and baled five times over the course of the summer. It was a good summer for hay. That is not the case in the Middle East. Israel only has two rainy seasons a year, two seasons where there is enough moisture for a pasture to actually grow. So as David writes these words, as he is thinking about pasture, he has a very different picture in mind. And it's drastically different from what we are used to or what we would think of. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Keller makes this point. He says sheep need four things to lay down. There need to be four things present for a sheep to experience rest. Sheep need to be free from fear. They need to be free from tension, free from pests, and free from hunger. So let's start with the first one, free from fear. Sheep are prey animals, right? They are eaten <laughs> like pigs. And so what that means is that they are constantly on the lookout for predators. If a sheep is afraid, it will never lay down. They will never be able to experience rest. If, if we're afraid, do we experience rest? If there is a health issue or a job issue or a money issue or a my car is falling apart, I might not get to work today issue, do we feel rested? Fear of anything actually keeps us from experiencing rest. Is there something in your life that you are afraid of right now? Sheep must be free from tension. Sheep are herd animals. They live in community. And if there is conflict within the herd, if there is a struggle between two of the ewes for dominance, it actually disrupts the entire herd. Again, are we any different? If there is conflict within our community, whether it is your family or your church or where you work, wherever you exist, then are you able to rest? We had a florist stop by on Friday afternoon for the funeral that evening. And so him and I got to talking, and he shared with me that he tried seminary right out of college. Tried, he said, because actually becoming a pastor really wasn't for him. He said, there's just too much tension in the church. 
You know, being a pastor leads one right into the middle of conflict. Everyone's conflict. And so needless to say, it makes rest a little bit difficult. It's something I'm realizing about myself. So do you experience tension? Are you experiencing tension in one of the communities that you exist in? Free from fear, free from tension. Free from pests. Keller says there are nasal flies and bot flies and warble flies. He said there are so many different types of flies that constantly harass sheep. And while we don't have sheep out at the farm, we do have flies. Everything from these little tiny flies that are no bigger than a gnat to your average house fly to horse flies. And then we have this thing that seriously is the size of a C-130. It's black and gray, and it is enormous. You know, I was trying to work on the car in the garage one day, and I heard it coming into the garage. You shouldn't be able to hear a fly. They're that big. And I had to put down my tools, and I had to get a swatter, and I had to kill that thing before I could do any more work <laughs> on the car. You know, throughout the summer, if you were at the farm, it, constantly the horses are jumping up and running and kicking and bucking back into the barn because the flies can be such an annoyance to the animals. While flies can be annoying, they aren't typically what bug us, right? Flies, bugs, I, some of you got that. Thanks. <laughs> Petty frustrations, problem after problem after problem. There seem to be no shortage of problems in life. It seems that as soon as one problem is addressed, two more pop up to replace it. And it is often the urgency and the importance of our problems that determine which ones we address first. But that's problems. We're constantly surrounded by them. So who here is surrounded by pests, by problems? In life. Free from fear, free from tension, free from pests. And finally, free from hunger. If a sheep is hungry, it is going to be constantly on the move looking for food. Now, <laughs> I spend a lot of time hungry. You know, I'll get out of a warm and cozy bed in the middle of the night just to find something to snack on because I'm hungry. Anybody with me on that? Anybody like that? Come on, seriously, none of you? Thank you for some honesty out there. But setting aside food for a moment, we can be hungry for anything. Hunger actually is used as a metaphor for anything that drives us. If we are looking for something, for searching for anything, then we will not rest. Hunger for status or for power or for money or for comfort. We hunger for all sorts of things. And if we're in the midst of hunger, it will drive us to a place where we will not rest. Who here is hungry? <laughs> Jerry has, has coffee fellowship afterwards, so she'll take care of us in just a little bit. For sheep to lay down, they must be free from fear. Free from tension, free from pests, and free 
from hunger. Psalm 23, again, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, as I was studying this text this past week, I came across an article that was actually kind of interesting, where someone was expressing their frustration with Psalm 23. It actually bothered them. This individual did not like the image that the good shepherd would make us do anything, especially lie down. And the problem here is is that they're not actually getting what David is talking about. So we have to go back to the Hebrew into the context to understand what David really is trying to communicate. There is a nuance to the interpretation here, which allows us to translate the Hebrew into this image of he causes me to lie down. Whether we make or we cause, there's kind of this basic image underneath it. And what David is getting at is that through creating a space that is free from fear, free from tension, free from pests, and free from hunger, the shepherd actually creates a space where the sheep can lay down. He causes me to lay down. He doesn't lay me down. He creates that room for me to lay down. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, I actually did wrestle with the still waters part this past week because I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. You know, we find imagery throughout the Bible. It's a pretty common image of living water. Jesus talks about it. We find it throughout the Old Testament. And if you've spent any time in the church, what we recognize is that living water is water that's actually not still. Still water, especially in the Middle East, is often stagnant water. And it leads to all kinds of problems. So we have a translational issue here again, right? David is thinking about green pastures and water. And together he is trying to create an image of rest. And so when he is thinking about water, this idea of rest, what he is not picturing is the Jordan River or the Dan River. But instead, what David is picturing, right, go ahead and bring this up, is this image of the En Gedi, which is actually this oasis in the Middle East. We are told at the end of chapter 23 in 1 Samuel that David went up and he lived in the strongholds of the En Gedi. En Gedi is this beautiful place of calm and relaxing water. David is thanking God in Psalm 23 for safe waters. Keller said there are three common sources of water for shepherds to utilize. Deep wells wells or um, springs and streams, and dew, which was probably the most fascinating as I came across this. Wells, you know, need to be dug, and then water is drawn out of them. It's a lot of work. Springs and streams are ideal. They're the best kind of thing, again, if you're picturing and Getty here. But they're rare. It's really hard to find them, and when people find them, they kind of lay claim to them. They don't give access to them very easily. Whereas dew is this intriguing concept. Keller said that shepherds will rise early and lead their flocks out into pastures that are covered in dew. 
Because the dew on the grass in the early morning is enough to keep your sheep refreshed, especially in areas where it's hard to find water. Back in Genesis, there is a story that is kind of interesting in light of dew. Dew, excuse me. Isaac is dying, and his son Jacob comes to his father seeking blessing. And this is what is recorded for us. He says, when Isaac caught the smell of Jacob's clothes, he blessed him, and he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. So may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. In a climate like Israel's, a dry and arid climate, dew is actually considered a blessing. We see it throughout the Old Testament. I found it kind of intriguing, kind of interesting. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. David is painting for us a picture of rest. He is painting a picture of being utterly content, being able to truly rest, a deep, restorative rest, a rest that affects our souls. You know, I think we have no clue what rest actually is. Or at least, let me say, I don't think I have any clue what rest actually is. Have you ever came home from vacation more tired than when you left for vacation? Or have you ever binge-watched a show on Netflix only to get up and feel utterly wasted? Do you guys know what binge-watching Netflix is all about? Do any of you? No. Uh, some of you do. Netflix is a video streaming service. You can watch an entire season over the course of a weekend. Yeah, it's not good for the soul. <laughs> my kids last year, my kids, I love my kids. My kids last year gave me this sticker for my water bottle, and it says, I do marathons. And underneath it, in parentheses, it says, on Netflix. <laughs> because it is something I turn to. David, he, he understood what it meant to be worn out and weary. In Psalm 17, he cries out, Hide me under the shadow of your wings, Lord, from the wicked who oppress me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. You know, anyone who feels worn out and weary is looking for rest. Keller likens us to a cast sheep when we are worn out and weary. This is interesting, and I found this probably the most exciting of the week. A cast sheep. Has anybody ever heard of a cast sheep or a cast down sheep? Is anybody familiar with this concept? We actually checked it out online. This is, this is legitimate. This is intriguing to me. A cast sheep is a sheep that has turned over onto its back and is unable to right itself, unable to get back up. And I had only thought that turtles did this kind of thing, but sheep do this. It can happen when they're pregnant, and it can happen when their wool gets too thick and heavy. There's a whole number of things that actually can be a cause of it. And a cast sheep, if not attended to, will actually die. So Keller talks about this like this. He says, when, when a sheep is missing from my flock, 
I know that it's probably cast somewhere. And so I go out in search for it. He says, I will actually leave the 99 to go find the one because it needs me. He says, coming upon a cast, you, my first impulse is to pick it up. So tenderly, I roll the sheep over onto its side. And this will relieve the pressure of the gases in the room and in its stomach, basically. If she had been down for a long time, I'm going to have to lift her up onto her feet. And then what I do is I straddle her with my legs. I hold her erect as I rub her limbs, restoring circulation. This can actually take quite a while. He says, when the sheep starts to walk again, there are a number of times where she will often just stumble and stagger and collapse, which leads me to have to help again and again and again. All the time I work on a calf sheep, I talk to it gently and encouragingly. I comfort it. And little by little, the sheep will regain its equilibrium. It will start to walk steadily and surely until it will dash away and rejoin the herd. It's an amazing image if you understand sheep and shepherds of what love looks like. The shepherd does not abandon his sheep, especially his sheep that are in need. He doesn't get frustrated or fed up or furious with having to help or care for the sheep. Instead, he is tender and loving. He knows it's just part of their lives. Through fear and tension and pest and hunger, we become weary and worn out, unable to rest. And David sits there and he pens, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Our rest, true rest comes from God and God alone. And it often has nothing to do with our circumstances or our situation. But it has everything to do with being in relationship with the shepherd. Today we're going to come to the Lord's table. And this is his table because he bought it with his blood. This isn't my table, it's not even our table, it's not a Presbyterian table. This is Christ's table and all are invited to it. Everyone who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In just a moment, Tom is going to lead us into our corporate prayer of confession. During communion weeks, we like to extend the time of silence following that prayer. We encourage you to spend time with the shepherd. Place before him whatever is making you weary or tired. We will then move from our time of silent prayer directly into hymn number 80, I Love You, Lord. And we encourage you to join us when you are ready. If you want to sit in silence and just pray, by all means, sit in silence and pray. If you want to stand and dance in the aisle, then Mary Ruth, you should stand and dance in the aisle. On Communion Sundays, it's really important for you to meet God wherever you're at. We want to create that space for you to spend some time with him.
One thing you'll notice in our liturgy during communion is that there is no assurance of pardon following confession. And that's because the table is our assurance. Christ's death and resurrection is the only proof we need that he has forgiven us and that he loves us tenderly. So you ready? Tom, lead us in our prayer of confession. Our prayer of confession is based upon Psalm 143. Let us pray. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring me into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. So God meets with us in the sacrament of communion through his Holy Spirit, uniting us with Christ to his death and to his resurrection. 
So let us give thanks as we pray. It is with joy that we praise you, God. For in Christ's death and resurrection, what you set before us is the promise of a new life. A new life that begins for us today and has no end to it. Gracious God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and juice. By your Spirit, as we eat and drink, Lord, make us one with Christ. It is through Christ, it is with Christ, it is in Christ. In the unity of the Holy Spirit that all glory and honor are yours, eternal God, now and forevermore. Amen. So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was arrested, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood which has been shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time we eat this bread or we drink from this cup, what we remember is that Jesus laid down his life. No one took it from him. He laid it down for our sake. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you're unable to come forward, just remain where you are seated. Mark will bring the elements to you. As you come forward, I will serve you the bread. Just take and eat that bread right here with me. If you have a gluten allergy, we do have gluten-free biscuits as an option. Just ask. And then either Nancy or Jerry will be on the sides and you go to them and receive the cup. We ask that you take the cup with you back to your seat. Do not drink it until all are served. And then together in unity, we will drink from the cup. So eat the bread and take the cup. While we are serving communion, Jackie and Gier and Jacob will be leading us in music. The words will be up on the screens like normal. You are welcome to sing along. You are welcome to sit quietly and pray. Again, we want there to be freedom in worship for how you come and meet with God.
the blood of Christ shed for each and every one of us. Can we stand, if you are able, as we sing the song in Christ alone? Oh uh-huh. 
may be seated. At this time, we're going to turn to the list of prayer concerns in the bulletin. Are there any updates or concerns that we would like to add to that list this morning before we turn to God in prayer? Go ahead, Jeannie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last week, Jeannie had brought up the name of Lexi, who has been having some health issues. She had some much younger, and at 24, they have returned. And it's looking like she might need some transplants. So let's keep Lexi in our prayers. All right, Jeannie, thank you. Gum graft surgery. Huh. All right. So you want us to pray for your mom? Okay. So let's add Kristen to the list. Thanks, Ryan. I was going to make a joke, but nobody was listening. No? She didn't want us to know that she had surgery? Huh. Okay, so shh, don't tell her. <laughs> Go ahead, Stephanie. Her name is Kate, Katie, okay. So Katie, who is 33 weeks pregnant, she's having complications, and so they're keeping her in the hospital until delivery. That could be rough, so, yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll be praying for Katie. All right. Go ahead, Bill. So we'll pray for Robbie. He's got an infected wisdom tooth, and you have to get that infection under control before they can do surgery or anything. So be in prayer for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't know her name, do you? Okay. Do you know the family's name? Young. Okay. The Young family. So someone that drew golfs with Hunter, his mother passed away from breast cancer this past week, so we'll add the young family to our list. All right, go ahead. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes it hard, doesn't it? What's your uncle's name? Tony? Okay. So we'll pray for Tony, who is in the midst of transition and all the fun that comes with that. All right. All right. Let us turn to God in. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. I have two updates. Okay. One is uh, my friend Chris Krause, who is very recently 
Yeah. We've been praying for Krista. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, a very aggressive form. So she's had her second surgery. It went well. She is recovering, and there's a still a lot to go. Yeah. Okay, great. And I think it's especially important um, for anyone who has kidney stones or has had breast cancer. Okay. That's Kaylee. So Kaylee was in, she was having some problems, newborn. Um, yeah, and it seems that it's actually going well. Okay. And your great nephew had had heart surgery this past week. He's a month and a half um, and is doing well, actually. Surgery went well. He is recovering well. So, But they're going to have to keep him for another week or three. So keep, keep him in your prayers. What's his name again? Bronson, okay. All right, let us turn to God then in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for the life, death, and for the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks that in him, through him, and with him, we find an invitation to rest in the midst of a busy and chaotic life, which is so desperately needed. Lord, we come before you this morning on behalf of many of our friends or family members who are just struggling, who are weary and worn out. We lift up to you Joe and Dick, Kelsey and John, Kaylee and Lexi, Bill and David, and Reagan and Bonnie and Carolyn and Jamie and Linda and Rich. We pray for Katie and for Bronson and Kristen and Robbie and for Tony. Lord, we pray for all those who are being treated for cancer this morning, for Ashley and Belle for Krista and Shannon, for Rich and Brooke, for Cindy, for Cindy, for Debbie, for the DePreta family, for George and Terry, for Jean and Shirley, for Jerry and Gary and Judy and Kathy and Kim, for Loretta and Nancy and Sue, for John and Ron, for Ed and Rhonda, for Shirley and Chris and Patty, for Christopher and Rick, for Russ and Arlene, Kim and Susan and Alex and Pete and Mrs. Weaver and Charlie and Chris. Lord, this morning we lift up the young family to you as they long, as they mourn the loss of a mother and I imagine all other sorts. Lord, as they grieve, we just ask that you would be with them. 
We pray for those who are currently serving in the armed services. We remember all who've served or given their lives in the act of service. We pray for our sister churches here in the valley, for Second Baptist of Sharpsville and for Sharon Alliance. And Lord, we take a moment of silence as we lift any prayer concerns that may rest on our hearts but have not been spoken out loud. Lord, we lift these prayers to you in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our source of hope in the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take a moment. If you've not yet done so, put your name in our pew pads. We appreciate that. So the psalmist encourages us to bring an offering to the Lord. He goes on to say, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So at this time, as we continue in worship, we will receive your offering. If you are visiting with us this morning, please do not feel obligated. We're just glad you joined us.
us give thanks. Gracious God, we give our best, <coughs> lest in gaining the world we lose life itself. As your people, we seek to witness to your will and your way. And as we contribute to the needs of your people, we present ourselves as living sacrifices. It is through Christ our Lord that we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 229, Our God Reigns. As we leave from the sanctuary this morning following Ryan with the light of Christ, we're reminded that we follow a shepherd who cares for us deeply, who longs to give us rest. Hear now this benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.